so I listen to everything at like 2x speed. When I listen to things at one time speed, I feel like I'm on drugs. Podcast Junkies, episode 29. Welcome back. So last week we spoke to Jason Stapleton of the Jason Stapleton program and uh, you might want to check that out and if you want more information on how to get yourself a $100,000 studio built, uh, it's, yeah, you heard that correctly. He's an interesting, interesting uh, guy and, and a friend of mine and um, I think what's most impressive is his dedication to making his show like the most quality um, program um, that he that he can that's within his capacity to do so and uh, when I asked him what his plans for the future was you know some people tell me oh I've got some plans for um, the next couple of months and he very quickly told me that he had his eyes set on the next two years and talked about who he models for inspiration um, so give that uh, give that a listen check it out so this week we spoke to we speak to Ari Mizell. And he's the host of the Less Doing podcast, which is another one of those shows that I've been listening to since the beginning. I think I, I caught it near the, the first couple of episodes. And given that I'm a productivity nerd, um, I've, that's one of the shows I always follow and always check out. So I, I recently had the opportunity to join one of Ari's boot camps and got to know him a little bit better. Um, and I was really happy when he agreed to be on the show. Uh, as he's someone that I've had on my list to speak to for a long time. And uh, we had a nice chat. And I, I, I dare say that this is going to be one of the most productive episodes ever, right? If you've got the uh, the, the master himself, Ari, on there. So we talk about um, where his um, inspiration comes from and, and the challenges that he had to overcome health-wise, uh, to get to where he is today. It's a very inspirational story, and uh, I really think it'll resonate with uh, you guys. So, enjoy. Um, really excited to have you on. I'm a huge fan of your show, and uh, congratulations on recently passing the 100-episode the mark. Thank you. Yeah, that was pretty exciting, uh, and it came up quickly. I was, you know, when I started out, we were doing like one episode or I, I was doing one episode like every six weeks and now we've got two a week. It's, it's really cool. The, the great thing is, and you know, I know for folks who have been podcasting for a while, um, they, they always have started with good intentions and a lot of people that are familiar with uh, John Lee Dumas, for example, say, Oh, five a day, John did it. I can do it. And then, they, yeah. <laughs> and then they try to do it, and they very quickly realize all the little pieces that are involved in, in getting something like this off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what were your thoughts when you first started? Was it something that you um, you were inspired by other shows, or um, you just some, just figured it was something a, a, a bit more casual? Um, I'm not a very good writer. Yeah. So I decided that I needed a better medium to get out what I wanted to talk about. Uh, and I, there, I don't know. There, it was something that was just kind of exciting about it and cool. And, and it was just another medium, basically. What were, you, were you listening to podcasts at the time? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, well, let me think, realistically. Uh, I was in, you know what happened is I was interviewed by the Bulletproof Executive, which, mm-hmm. is, which was shocking at the time, honestly. <laughs> Dave, Dave and I have become good friends now. And it's, it's just funny because at the time, he was already kind of huge. And he got in touch with me to be on the podcast. And I was like, 
blown away. And then I was like, this is this is a cool format. And uh, what I also realized was that it would be a really good way for me to be able to talk to a lot of the people in the industry and and get a foot in the door that I wouldn't normally have. It's kind of shocking, and I'm sure you've seen this, but you know, you can get people on a podcast who would say no to a CNN interview, you know, because <laughs> they they can be in their in their underwear and socks and they can do it at any time of day or night from their computer and you get yeses from people that you just wouldn't expect and I know tons of people at this point who have started podcasts where they weren't even published yet. They've just, you know, they were recording episodes in the can and they would still be able to email somebody and be like I have a podcast, I'd love to have you on and they they'd get yeses and that those are amazing conversations. Yeah, I think it's the intimacy and it's something you just alluded to, the fact that a lot of times they can do it from home. They don't have to get up. They don't have to get into a car and, and, and get into a studio and under lights and all that sort of stuff. And it sort of uh, puts them at ease and it, and it relaxes them to, to where they feel. They'll probably be giving the same information they, they gave, but I think when you're in a more relaxed environment, you, you sort of come up with a more casual conversation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think that... Uh it just it makes the whole flow much more make much more sense. So, um, so yeah, bulletproof exec. I've been listening to bulletproof executive for a while, and I remember that episode where where you were on. Um, and and I think what I think is interesting is the more you start podcasting, the less time you have to listen to podcasts. It's like that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I honestly, this like so. I listen to some really quirky podcasts at this point, I think, yeah. um, so, some of the more off-the-beaten-path podcasts, and I get some really great ideas from them. But, and a lot of times, though, the more mainstream ones, like like Bulletproof uh, or like Ben Greenfield Fitness or yeah. some of the really big ones, I, a lot of times I'll listen to them just for a few minutes just to see what the guest was like, and then I'll have that guest on my show to have the real conversation that I wanted to have. Mm. Um, and I also listen to podcasts at double speed. Yeah. So. What, what's your app of choice? I'm currently using Overcast. So Overcast is very nice. I use Casts, uh, which is relatively new, um, and I just think it's it's beautiful the way it's set up. What I like about it more than any other, you know, all of them kind of do the same thing and they're laid out different ways. But what I like about Casts is that it updates faster than any of the other podcast apps I've seen, and it gives you push notifications of them. And and one of the podcasts I listen to is the NPR hourly news podcast which is yeah. a five so it's a 5 minute podcast that you know summarizes the news for the hour and they do it 24 hours a day every day uh, so I, I actually it's really annoying to see like the 6 hour refresh on the podcast app and it's like oh well they're you know so this is really it's a really great app it's really well done yeah, and it's funny that you say it's really annoying, but it's annoying for folks who like to be as efficient as possible with their time. <laughs> so we're always looking like for the best and fastest app, and one and a half speed and two x speed is like no longer enough. Well, so that, <laughs> but that's the other thing is that this app actually it's the only one I've seen that lets you do gradients of point one. So you can do one point one speed, one point two. Uh, you can go beyond two point or uh, two speed. Um, Double speed. So uh, there are actually a couple podcasts where two is too fast. Yeah. And I, but I can listen to them at 1.8 speed, which is kind of funny. So I'll squeeze whatever I can out of it. The Overcast app is nice because I don't know if, if you, I don't know if you noticed or remembered it has um, it, it takes out the silence. On so if, if there's a long silence in in the actual conversation, it'll cut that out. And the other thing it does is it does a variable speed increase. So I've seen, and it shows it, which is pretty cool too. So as opposed to just showing 2x, it shows 2.12, 2.5, 2.25, and then it goes up and down. So mm-hmm. it's always nice to get a feeling that you're getting at least a bit more than two. 
Yeah, it's always nice to see that progress bar, right? Like something the app is working for you. Yeah. So for the for the benefit of the listener, um, you know, you, you, it's I think it's safe to say you weren't weren't always such a, a student of productivity. Um, so if you want to talk a little bit about, about your history and how you ended up on this path, um, and and how less doing came about. Sure. Uh, so I, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, and for the last twelve years or so, I've been a real estate developer. And the short story is that eight years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is a chronic inflammatory condition that affects the digestive tract. It's very painful, considered to be incurable. And I was taking a lot of medicine and getting sicker and sicker. And after uh, trying to do all sorts of things the conventional way, I had a big turnaround and started on this path of self-tracking and self-experimentation. And after four months, I think, I was off my meds and two months later competed in my first triathlon as I was setting my sights on Ironman France, which was about a year later, I realized that the diet, nutrition, supplement aspect of my illness was actually pretty straightforward and simple to figure out. And it even simpler and simpler, I, I find, as time goes on. The hard part is managing stress. And stress, people never give stress sort of its, its credit for what effect it has on your ability to function and not be inflamed and stress was sort of overtaking my life and most people have some sort of stress in their lives so I responded to that by creating a new system of productivity called less doing which was my way of teaching people how to optimize automate and outsource everything in their lives in order to be more effective and stress less and do more of the things they want to do yeah it's a it's fascinating because I I think I sort of joined you um in the, in your podcast journey early on because i remember w- when i started um i used to listen to podcasts just for music and it was only when i s- started creating a mobile app i realized there was other uh venues for getting information about how people do this better more efficiently and i listened to a lot of mobile app podcasts which eventually led me to pat flynn's podcast and then it just became a rabbit hole <laughs> and, and then so as any good podcast will eventually turn you on to others that you need to listen to joe rogan um, and obviously, Bulletproof Executive Dave Asprey was on there and uh, tangentially speaking. So there's a whole list of stuff that I don't get to, uh, around to listening to now simply because there's there's so much. Um, you, you tend to be selective, right? Podcasts that you used to listen to in the past, you don't listen to now because you, it's almost like, what, are they the best use of your time? Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, and and. and uh, depending on the industry you're listening to, you know, you do have a lot of crossover too. Like there's a lot of people interviewing the same people, especially if someone has a book coming out, like you see them suddenly on every podcast. Yeah. And that, yeah. I th- and I think once you've listened to the first one, um, unless the, the, you know, the host does a, a really fantastic job of pulling out some nugget of, of, of uh, wisdom or something that they didn't talk about in a previous episode, or it totally goes off on a completely different tangent Then nine times out of 10, it's just going to be the same stuff uh, on, on the 10 other interviews. Exactly. So when when you're doing uh, as you as you've realized um, you found this medium and and you started realizing it's a great opportunity for you for you to get to talk to people that you either admire or would love to have an extended conversation with, how did you start to think about um, your production process? Because I, I remember in the beginning you just you would just turn on the a, a Skype conversation and use your your regular um, iPhones mic and just have at it. 
Uh, no, I was actually the, that guy who was like, I'm going to do it better. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not going to – everybody who's been doing this for years, like I'm going to do it my way and my way is going to be cooler and more efficient. Yeah. Uh, so that – so <laughs> originally I was using a service called Call Trunk, okay. uh, which still exists. Uh, it's, it's actually a really great service for recording phone calls. But I was doing it over the phone and it calls the per- – so you put in the person's number. It calls them. It calls you. And a lot of times like they wouldn't pick up. So the first three recordings were like a voicemail. <laughs> um <laughs> And the sound quality was, in retrospect, was pretty bad. Uh, I did several podcasts with my newborn on my chest in a uh, in a baby born, and there were two comments about people saying that they heard what sounded like a baby eating while I was <laughs> podcasting. I think I remember those. Yeah, uh, I had I, I mispronounced the name of my first guest on my show. Uh, it was it was it was not polished. I'd say that. And the other thing too was like. I I did the recording and then it's like oh the other thing was that my first ones were 15 minutes and that was also a function of the baby stuff like mm-hmm. I was trying to make this stuff as efficient as possible so I was doing 15 minute interviews and it was like people would you know get to like their 13 minute and be like okay well you know like that was great talking to you thanks so much for all that it was like it was terrible I don't even know how I got to hear from there and uh, it, uh, yeah so it, it definitely evolved but basically in the beginning did the recordings and then i was editing them myself use, u- myself using GarageBand, like simultaneously watching a youtube tutorial while i was doing it uh messed up a lot of those <laughs> and then uh putting in the bumpers the music and the uh you know the graphic stuff i think i was i've been i was using soundcloud for a long time to host which i, I that was a good decision honestly mm-hmm. i really was very happy with soundcloud now i've switched over to libsyn yeah but uh soundcloud i think is a great hosting platform if you're starting out or you just want to kind of do this for for fun honestly and transcripts that was i was getting that all taken care of and then posting it to my blog myself but in very short order i basically created this very very complex system which i'm happy to talk about if you want uh to get it done pretty much all automatically and at a much much higher level higher quality and uh, I hope it sounds pretty good right now. People should be able to tell that I'm talking into a nicer microphone with <laughs> headphones and uh, there's no babies. Yeah, there's no babies involved. No, it's it's funny because, I mean, to, to folks, uh, I've talked about this before, but when you are a fan of a podcast, um, I happen to, I think, catch you as you were just getting started. But for others that I've, I've been a fan of, um, I go back and I listen to the beginning and I listen to all the episodes. So it's always interesting because you hear hear the the struggles and how they got started and and you don't feel so bad about your own podcast when you do that because you're like okay there's there's bumps along the way and and it's nice to see the evolution as people get um more polished more professional have better interviews um it's just just fun to to listen to yeah absolutely so as you were going through this process i think i remember obviously you're doing it on your own and then i think you found someone who um was a fan of the show and, and volunteered to help you out a bit with the production yeah, so that happened not so long ago, honestly. Let me let me think when Aaron So that was Aaron Olson yep. who contacted me from uh the Paleo Runner podcast. And gosh, that might have been almost a year ago, I think, at this point. And so basically he contacted me, he's like, you, you know, it's great. You I love your content. The, the it could be so much better and like I'd love to be your co host and all this stuff. So he had a newborn baby also. Okay. Uh, but Aaron was great. We he he started using better audio uh, um, uh, software and he was my co-host so what I liked about that was that I had for a very long time on my pod, on my blog I had a weekly Friday post about the interesting links that I had found that week yeah. without much discussion of it just sort of the, the links and that was something that for a while I wanted to bring into more of a discussion so 
basically he came out as co-host so I could tell him about those interesting links. He did the show notes, he did all that stuff and all the editing and, and posting and stuff. And and I think we did six or seven or maybe eight episodes together and then he basically just he got too busy with his new child. So at that point, I brought on my brother-in-law and my brother-in-law, Felix Bird, is a composer, a professional composer for film and TV. He's yeah. done uh, movies and he's done all the music for How I Met Your Mother and the show Greek and Switch to Birth Now and all these different shows and stuff. So he is like a real music audio guy. Yeah. And immediately, like, he got me up, set up with a new mic and a new sort of just setup in general. And he does, he uses Logic, which is like the pro, pro, pro mm-hmm. version of, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's also now my co host, and he's British and he's got this very nice speaking voice. And uh, people have said he brings a touch of humility <laughs> to, to the podcast. It's kind of amazing, actually, since Felix has gotten involved. We've been getting really interesting reviews from people and fan comments. We have a lot of fans in Australia now, which I'm not sure how that happened. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as quality, he's taken it just beyond anything. And I've actually, it's, it's really cool because now I, I see the difference and I can also contact friends of mine who have podcasts and be like, hey, you know, you should have Felix take a look at this because a little tweaks and it can be a, little, a lot better. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that you said that comment because as you were saying that, I thought you were going to say like Felix brought a, a touch of like uh, audio professionalism, but you actually said humility, which is which, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the feedback I've gotten. So that's funny. And all this, so all this time, you were like, you know, looking for a way to have uh, someone help you, you know, take the show to another level, and and that person was in your own family. Exactly. Yeah. How, what what? How did he get involved? Was he listening? And he said, "Hey, I, I think it's time for me to jump in and help out here." <laughs> no, as with most of my good ideas, they come from my wife. So she was like, "You know, you." We were in the car, and she's like, "Why don't you have Felix do it?" You know, as your partner, I'm sure he'd love to. And I asked him, and he was really into it. And it's it's opened up a whole new side of side business for him now because he did a custom intro for us and new music, and mm-hmm. now he's doing that for other people as well. So uh, it's just one of those things that you know, sort of like uh, kismet. Yeah. What's funny is that this is this is opening up a whole new like genre or whole new uh, business for a lot of folks who like 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 Felix were involved in audio and now it's they can niche down to podcasts. Well, and so and on that note, I'll tell you. So I stopped doing transcripts a few uh, several episodes ago. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, I did see that. Okay, so I found this guy named Mike Rossi who is. And I, by the way, I love to give credit to everybody who is involved in this stuff. So Mike, uh, I found on Elance, and I hired him as a show notes writer and the thing is is the first couple episodes he just killed it and wrote the best show notes ever with really great descriptions and timestamps that are so detailed like he's got timestamps sometimes that are seven seconds apart you know so i realized that i didn't need the transcripts for that and the other thing is and do do you do transcripts i didn't have a notice yeah i'm doing them right now and i'm still you know obviously jury's still out on their effectiveness Jury is still out. That's what everybody says. Doesn't like nobody who does a podcast seems to know if there's any value yeah. to putting the transcripts out. Honestly, um, and you know, someone like John uh, Lee Dumas doesn't do them mostly because he's got you know hundreds of episodes to do. Yeah. But uh, you know, everybody does transcripts, but nobody knows if anybody reads them. And I've never had somebody give me the feedback that they liked it. So I switched over to these much more detailed show notes, which I think are much more efficient. Honestly, and. It just works in the flow better, and it, it's been great. It's so now I have basically that's that's the official team is Felix is the audio engineer and Mike is my uh, show notes guy. But then there's all a bunch of virtual people involved in getting the thing done. 
So that, that's a perfect segue into your, your new, I, I picture this like Willy Wonka type everlasting gobstopper machine process that you got going <laughs> on, especially since I saw that last version of the diagram. So you want to talk through uh, the, the Frankenstein you've created? Sure. And actually that diagram has changed a little bit too since uh, since you've seen it. So uh, I, I almost have to like pull something up to, to be sure that I get all the steps here. But basically the trick... So, Think of things like Rube Goldberg machines, you know, or like the OK Go video, you know, the, where they have the guys with the paint and like, you know, the one I'm talking about. Yeah, is that the one yeah. where there are photographers in the studio and the, it's yes. like this ten minute long thing? It's fantastic. I've, I've seen it like three or four times. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's like when the morning comes or something. But um, so basically, there's two parts of my podcast. There's the interview, and then there's the co-host session with Felix. So the interviews, like I have interviews recorded for episodes that won't post for the next two months, you know, so I've, I have many, many interviews in the can. And since we're releasing twice a week, you know, there's, I, I guess I'm about 14 uh, interviews ahead of where we are right now, which is which is a nice place to be. Yeah. And then every week, Felix and I on Monday mornings, we record two co-host sections together so we'll record the two episodes for that next week together which is great because what that means is that i can have somebody on the podcast for an interview weeks or in advance but i can still talk about something very topical uh and relevant to like that day or that week with felix which is which is which is a nice mix i find so we uh we do our recording and basically what happens so i record my interview and i put it into dropbox and i call it the person's name and interview and then there is a software or an app called sortmybox.com, which sees files in your Dropbox and based on certain parameters, such as a name or extension, will automatically put them into different folders. So anything with the word interview in it in that public folder, it moves into the interview folder in Dropbox. Uh, then when I record with Felix, I do the same thing. I call it you know, the person, the interview episode name, and then I write co-host. And sortmybox sees co-host and puts that in the co-host folder. So then a, a few things happen. On Felix's end, he's got notifications from Zapier. Um, and you know Zapier, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and we'll have to have detailed show notes because we're definitely geeking out on, on productivity hacks here, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's fascinating and you stuff. Can, you can feel free to use that graphic from my website too. It's, okay. uh, there's, a, there's a post on the blog called A Well-Oiled Machine. So, uh, then Zapier is notifying a few people. So first of all, when the new interview goes in there, it, it notifies Felix that the interview file is there. It notifies Mike for the show notes. It notifies our graphic design virtual team uh, that they need to do a new graphic. And it also uh, sends, it, it creates a new Evernote note in my podcast links notebook so that that's where we sort of, uh, pull everything from and where Felix and I have our discussion from and also where Mike writes the show notes and that's sort of like our central location. Everything sort of spins out from Evernote. So then Felix works on the file. He does what he needs to do and he puts it back into a different podcast, um, a different folder in Evernote. I'm sorry, in Dropbox, which is called Podcast Episodes. And that sends another notification to a Fancy Hands virtual assistant and tells them to go ahead and post it to Libsyn and it gives them information to check my Google Calendar so they know when they're supposed to release it because it's automatically put into the Google Calendar for the right date. And so they know when to release it. And then when it does get released, oh, and not only that, they're pulling the image from a special Dropbox folder. They're pulling the show notes from Evernote. They're getting all that information. They're getting the file from Dropbox. So it's all kind of pulled together to one thing. They post it to Libsyn. Once it goes live, 
another Zapier email goes out to a fancy hands assistant and has them create the blog post that's associated with it on my blog. And then the final, final step is, the final two steps rather, is that when the new blog post comes out, it creates a draft email in my Gmail to thank the guests that was on the show and send them a digital copy of my book and also has a three-month followup.cc on it so I can follow up with that guest whenever I want. It also pays Felix using Square Cash, which is really just kind of a cool little yeah. trick I threw in there. So that, there's, there's a few little steps in there between that I left out, but that's, that's basically what the process looks like. And it's great because, again, what it requires from me is recording two 30-minute files, and that's it. It's the uh, the two thirty min files that are the the prep with uh, Felix. Yeah, so the co-host section and the interview. Yeah, and then you have the yeah and the interview. Okay, nice. And how has that been tweaked over time? Uh, well, so before Felix got involved, I was having a virtual assistant put it through Authonic by themselves, yeah. uh, which you know is the free processing thing. Uh, it was getting transcribed, so I was going to Fiverr to have a transcription done, yep. which which we're not doing anymore. And uh, there, there were a, a few more moving parts to it, but now it's gotten quite streamlined, I'd say. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating when that happens, and, and I'm outsourcing most of the production and the, the show notes myself now, too. And it's, it, it's sort of like uh, a, a release and a, a relief when you can focus on just getting... You, you put all your time and effort into the interview, and like in your case, uh, the, the prep with Felix as well. Um, and it's not that you can't do those other things, I think, but there's, you find that there's people that do it better and more efficiently than you. And those are the people that should be doing it. Sure. I mean, and you're right. I could do those things, but there's no way I could do two episodes a week then if I was doing that. So, um, so now that you've got that load off your, your mind, um, do you find that you put a lot of more of your time as far as the podcast is related into researching which guests you want to have on the show? Well, I get more time to listen to more podcasts, I guess, <laughs> uh, which is honestly how I do a lot of the research. Uh, I find guests either from listening to other podcasts or from meeting people in person. I, I, I do a lot of sort of uh, passive networking. Like I, I just, I'm very fortunate that I'm involved in several groups where I just get to meet lots of really, really interesting people. And authors particularly tend to make really good podcasts. Uh, interviews. Also, at this point, I get contacted by people who say that they want to be on the show and to my surprise, ninety percent of the time they're actually good fits. Mm. Whereas, whereas everyone who wants to write a blog post, a guest post, is not a good fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think uh, people probably, I would think, have had done their homework and are familiar with the show and listen and know what the content is and think that what they have to provide is something that would be um, valuable for your for your listeners. Well, the the other thing that I like about somebody contacting me about being on the show is that it means to me that they want to have a cool conversation. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, because uh, it's funny because when when you're when you start podcasting, you get this inspiration to like everything looks like a like a podcast uh, material for you. So every time I talk to people, I'm like, well, you, you have this this niche and, and and this thing that you like doing, and then you know knitting, crocheting. You should have start a, a knitting or crocheting podcast. And it's it's weird how that how that starts to happen. Well, wh- what I like is that your the podcast content can come from anywhere now. You know, it's like I, I'm at. I'm out with a like okay good example not for me personally but Joe Polish is someone who I've had on the podcast and yeah. I've been on his and 
I recently interviewed Jordan Belfort, who is the the Wolf of Wall Street mm-hmm. character, and uh, that was uh, thanks to a connection through Joe. But when Joe put me on the phone with Jordan, he was at Jordan's house, and they were watching the Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> and he was recording the whole thing. And every time he would stop, at, at, he would pause a scene and ask Jordan about it, like what really happened here, uh-huh. and he rec- he, re- he recorded the whole thing. That'd make an awesome podcast. That's totally. You know, so like I went to the Bulletproof Executive uh, Conference or the Bulletproof Conference, uh, you know, a couple of months ago. Yeah. And there were three or four conversations that I had with vendors and, you know, people who had who had companies there that I, I didn't. But I, I could have recorded those. And I saw Ben Greenfield actually walking around recording a lot of those conversations. And that makes for really, really good content. Yeah. A lot of um, my friends who are podcasters, they've got the their mobile like rig already set up. Um, they use the, the Zune h4 or h5 which is sort of like the go-to mobile rig you can plug xlr uh, mics directly into it and the sound is fantastic and so um, especially when we go to these conferences you see people having these hallway conversations and they've got their zoom at their side and and i think it just lends to more natural conversations when you can have it on the spot and both people are are up for it absolutely ben greenfield by the way is a beast not only you know in terms of his workouts and and his 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 work ethic, but even just from a podcasting perspective, it's so hard to keep up because he, I'm not sure what his current schedule is, but I always feel like I'm like ten episodes behind with him. Yeah, he's a con- he is a content powerhouse. There's no question. He's actually going to be speaking at my live event yeah. in uh, in May next year, which is going to be awesome. So, uh, talk a bit uh, a little bit about uh, that since you mentioned it, which, which you have planned coming up. So I do these quarterly retreats for my mastermind coaching group or for my mastermind coaching group. But in May, May 1st through 3rd of 2015 in New York City, we're doing a three day uh, open to the public conference, which I'm, I'm so excited about. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have uh, speaking from well, me, obviously, but then Dave Asprey, Ben Greenfield, Joe Polish and Dean Jackson are going to be those speakers. And we're going to have workshops on all of the less doing stuff. Lots of really new advanced stuff people hadn't heard about. And then some exhibitors who are going to be showing off some new technologies. And it'll be a really cool mix of wellness and productivity. Uh, I I can't wait for that. If people want to find out more, they can go to lessdoinglive.com. Very cool. Um, So you you started to have a couple of repeat guests on the podcast, I think, right? Yes, I have. Uh, you know, people have different books coming out. They have different things that they want to promote, and we can have a different conversation tonight. Actually, uh, you know, I'm not sure when this is posting, but tonight, Wednesday, December third, we're having a live uh, webinar. Doing a, yeah, a live webinar with Dave Asprey. Yeah which will be you know, re-released at some point. But he's got his new book coming out, uh, The Bulletproof Diet. Actually, it came out yesterday. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about that. So you know, th- these people, fortunately, the people who produce all this content always have something new to talk about, which is nice. <laughs> so, so yeah, there, there are people who just want to come back on the show and talk about something different. Also, you know, there, there's, sometimes you just can't get it all out in an hour. No. Or half hour. No, definitely. And yeah, I've, I found myself trying to actually uh, rein it back in because when, there's – and I'm sure you've had these before, these conversations where you feel like time just goes by and, and before you know it, you've been speaking for like an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. And I guess you're trying to be considerate to the listener and, and some people try to uh, chunk those up into uh, episode uh, part one and part twos. But I think when you really, really vibe with the guest, it's really like really casual. And, and I think the the, less, the listener can, can, can see that these folks are comfortable speaking with each other and, and they're really having a fun conversation. Yeah, exactly. So, um, 
as, as you think about, you know, obviously 100 was a, it's a pretty nice milestone for a podcaster. What are some of your more uh, memorable conversations that you've had with guests where you, where you felt like, man, I could, I could just go on speaking for hours with this person? Uh, that's, that's a good question. So, uh, Mark Devine of Seal Fit would definitely be one. Yeah. He was just so interesting to speak to and so calm and like well versed. And that was, that was an awesome conversation. Plus I also had this kind of Jones thing to be a Navy SEAL for a long time (laughs) in my life. So that was, uh, (laughs) something, um, did you go through his program with David Allen? No, I have not. Okay. Uh, if I was, if I knew about him when I was single, that would have definitely <laughs> happened. But uh, it's a little hard to take off, you know, twelve days for a seal fit camp now. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, also when I spoke with David Allen of Getting Things Done, which yeah. is a system that I don't use, and I know a lot of people actually have a lot of people have had huge benefits from GTD, and some people find it actually very stressful. Uh, but the conversation with David, nonetheless, was was absolutely fantastic. Uh, really, really, really enjoyed that. And I, I, the, I think I've had Dave Asprey on the show like three times, and mm-hmm. those are always really great conversations. We just sort of never not run out of things to say. It's, it's, it's really nice. So how is um, – I mean, overall, um, if you think about when the podcast started, like how, how would you say the podcast has changed your life? Well, I would say that it, it, it's, a, it's a lot of what I do now, honestly. Uh, I feel that my job at this point in less doing is as a curator and creator of content. That's really what my, you know, people talk about the 80-20, but I think it's more like a 95-5. And that 5% that only I can do and do better than anybody else yeah. is, for me, is content creation and curation. So I put a lot of effort into the podcasting now. It's not something that you know is is monetizing specifically, but I, it opens up so many conversations. It's led to so many things. It's also one of the easiest ways to tell someone to find out more about you. You know, it's like, oh, what is us doing? It's like, well, I'll tell you right now. But you know, why don't you go listen to a couple of these episodes? And it just gives people a really, really great overview. Plus, it's it's a really great feedback mechanism. You know, so people, it's it's a really great way to open up conversations with people and find out about fans and and who's listening and what they're really getting out of it. Fortunately or unfortunately, people just seem to read less, and I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't read as much as I used to, or feel like I should be reading. So it, it just opens up so many more pathways. It's a big change, right? Honestly. So do you when you when you say you read less? Do you because I listen to I, I go I go through spurts of where I listen to audiobooks. Um, the actual only physical book i think i've I've started recently was uh the tony robbins uh money matters money matters that's a fascinating book i I actually threw a podcast he was on he was on tim ferris's show um and that was that was a two-parter that's fantastic if you haven't heard that one that's fantastic episode with tony robbins um but even with audiobooks audible you can do that at at actually 3x so um I, i recently listened to adam grant's give and take which is a really good book highly recommended and i I think it was it listed as like 11 hours or something like that so obviously got through that (laughs) yeah the money matters is 21 hours yeah so yeah money some of those books i think they have so much content that you have to take notes or highlight anyway so they probably lend themselves better to physical form yeah i and i i think that there actually is some benefit to to physically reading i i do I do like audiobooks, but uh, it's, you know, between that and listening to podcasts, it's like, where do you find the time necessarily? Uh, I think that there is benefits to reading a paper book, but something one of those things that just tends to put me to sleep, unfortunately. <laughs> so 
what I've found really effective for me is two things. One is Blinkist. Uh, yep. Blinkist, yeah. So Blinkist is that app that they give you these sort of. They're not summaries. They're basically like the key points from nonfiction books. And then for fiction, I really like DailyLit.com, mm-hmm. which sends you basically two or three pages of a book every day, and it makes it really hard to not read it and or to come up with an excuse basically to not read it. What's uh, do you remember something you've read recently through either Blinkist or Daily Lit? Yeah, I, I read uh, a bunch of books by Jules Verne's in the last few weeks. Uh, so I'd never read Journey to the Center of the Earth or Around the World in 80 Days, and they were both fascinating. And I really, really enjoyed reading those. And then uh, on Blinkist, what was the last thing I read on Blinkist? Uh, not the last thing, but I, I read Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow on there, which was, which was a great book and really helpful in some of my work, actually. So you you were obviously I mean you were doing some speaking public speaking um, before the podcast right if I remember I think uh, you were on YouTube video and there was a TEDx talk a TED talk right yeah so I I did a TEDx talk uh, for TEDx East which is which was uh, back in May of two thousand twelve I think hmm. was that two, or two thousand eleven I think. 2011. And uh, yeah, that was an amazing experience. And that also was a huge turning point for me as well because it was the first time I'd publicly talked about my illness and and the path. And I hadn't completely overcome it at that point. Uh, I mean, I had, but I was sort of on my way to training and and I wasn't really in the throes of less doing yet. So it's it's interesting to look back on that. But that was a huge turning point for me as a speaker because I do do a lot of speaking now. Yeah, so I guess it's one of the things. Um, so since you were a speaker, and do you do you find that the the, the way uh, you've had interviews and and the interaction that you've had to have with interviews and and being an actual host, where you have to engage with folks for you know sometimes an hour, have you seen that arc in terms of uh, you know where you were originally speaking and and what you're doing now? Oh yeah, my God! If you so uh, when I. Th- 12 years ago, thir- wait, 13 years, 13 years ago, I started working on a project in upstate New York in Binghamton. Yeah. 12 years ago, actually. And uh, it was a really big, relatively big real estate development for that area. So I was on the news a lot. And you can see, like, my first few interviews were just horrible. I was, I was umming and eyeing a lot and, like, stumbling over my words and I didn't know what I was saying. And then those gradually improved. And speaking was the same thing. I think I, I, I'm pretty happy with my TEDx performance. Uh, and I've also, it's something that I've just, I feel like I've gotten better and better at. But we, the weird thing for me is that I actually have a, when I'm in interpersonal situations and even like at home here with my wife, I have an issue with mumbling. Because I think that my, my thoughts are trying to get out of my head faster than my mouth can move. But when I'm podcasting or I'm on stage I, I stand up straighter my enunciate much better like I, and I measured this actually so it's just kind of a weird thing for me but I I guess I get like in a flow state when I'm uh, on performance mode yeah it's funny I can relate to that because my, my wife tells me the exact same thing she's like you st- she's like you're mumbling she's like you're not like articulating or and whatever enunciating <laughs> your words correctly um so she's constantly having to tell me to like speak up um but i notice when i'm out with friends and stuff like that i don't have that problem yeah it's funny it's yeah. funny and it's yeah it's one of those things <laughs> like yeah, your, your mouth just don't want to move fast enough I, it's the same thing though when i so i listen to everything at like 2x speed yeah. when i listen to things at one time speed i feel like i'm on drugs yes you know, it, it feels like somebody's like uh, then, <laughs> uh you know 
it's really hard to reconcile. It's funny. It's um, desensitizing myself to normal speech. Well, it's funny because when you talk, when you hang out in these circles, like in, in your group and in your uh, in, in the boot camp that I'm a part of with, with you, um, everyone's on the same page. So, like when you step out of it and you talk to someone else, first of all, you got to explain a podcast, and then you explain that you listen at a faster speed. They're like, "Why would you do that?" <laughs> like, oh man, uh, and they're like, "No, it's not a chipmunk. It doesn't 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 speed him up. Doesn't make him sound like Al- Alvin. It just changes." the pitch and they're like oh okay but when they I, but when they try it they're, they're hooked i was at dinner a few weeks ago with uh, jj virgin who uh, wrote the sugar impact diet sugar detox diet yeah. rather uh, sugar impact diet and i had her on the podcast and she's really awesome and she had just done this really really great interview with joe polish and i had listened to it on the way in the car and we we're talking about it. she's like did you listen to the whole thing i was i was like yeah well I, you know i listened to double speech she's like of course you do <laughs> So, uh, yes, yeah, it's so funny. It's a, yeah, it's literally, you can't go back and it's almost like, okay, if, if, if there's that something after two X is, you know, how fast can you go? I think when I, someone explained to me once, or I heard, read it once that it's sort of like when you, you imagine if you're on the Autobahn and you're going 130 miles an hour, there's literally nothing else you can think of besides like how to keep that car on the road, as opposed to just, you're, you're driving down your normal city street and you're going 30 miles an hour, but you're multitasking, looking out the window, trying to text, changing the radio station. And I think it's something about the focus at the speed that forces you to pay attention. Exactly, exactly. So um, you, you grew up in, in uh, East Coast? Yes, I grew up in New York City my, my whole life. Actually in the city? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I grew yeah. up in uh, Yonkers. Which is oh, nice. uh, yeah, okay. yeah. So I, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm in LA now, but we, we just moved in April. But yeah, I was um, most of my life just Yonkers, so just hanging out in the city, and then recently lived in the city. We were just in the East Village as well. So cool. The I think so. I've always talked to my dad because my dad's still back there, you know, about the change in seasons and if they've ever had any thought about retiring to Florida. But you, you're you're still a fan of the the snowy winters. Uh, nobody's a fan of snowy winters, you know. It's, it's uh, but I'm also not a fan of being in like the beach for too long. Although my parents do have a condo in Miami, which is kind of funny. Uh, with the three boys, we're pretty much weather doesn't really bother us so much. It's like we're always busy with something. I, I have three boys under the age of three, so yeah. our house is a little bit of a mad house and we're never dressed appropriately for the weather none of us are so it's just kind of those things that we accept uh but we kind of split our time between new york city and the hamptons oh nice and i think um obviously you don't think of this as as parents but like i have uh two brothers and obviously when it came time for winter it's more manual labor that's available to shovel the driveway yeah, right. Well, uh, our guys are good at throwing things in the garbage right now, but that's where it ends. <laughs> yeah, you got to get them started young. Um, you mentioned your 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 boys. You have uh, two, two, uh, twins as well, right? Yeah. So uh, Ben is just going to be three in January, and then the twins, Sebastian and Lucas, are uh, nineteen months uh, and a half, basically almost twenty months. And you also. Um, have that in common with Ben Greenfield. And I think on one of your recent podcasts, and I don't know if this came across this, this came about just as a result of you being on each other's shows, you actually ended up developing a pretty good friendship with him and started working on, on projects together with Ben, right? Oh yeah. So we, Ben has, 
identical twin uh, six-year-olds, and we did a Udemy course on called Double Dads, and it's basically like the Twin Dads Guide to Raising Healthy and Happy Twins. And we did, uh, I think, like 12 videos where we were just talking to each other about this stuff, and it, it came out really great. And yeah, we've, we've, uh, we've become friends. Very nice. Um, so as you think about the, the growth of the show, um, what, what's got you excited uh, 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 in terms of the podcast coming up? And is there any, is, are there ideal guests that you're, you're trying to go after? Ideal guests? Well, <laughs> it's funny because people keep telling me that they want me to have Ted, Tim Ferriss on the show. And <laughs> I've asked him. I mean, I sort of brought it up. I didn't really ask him. I brought it up. And the truth is... I, I don't know if that would be a good one, uh, to be perfectly honest. Like we, we're not competitors by any means. Yeah. And I've shared a stage with Tim uh, now, and I'm going to again actually in April. But it's, uh, I mean, the problem with ta- with talking to productivity people, it, which I don't do a lot, uh, surprisingly, I don't actually talk to like straight up productivity people most of the time, is that you're basically either comparing strategies or you're if you're sharing secrets that's great or tips but it just doesn't seem to like come off that way a lot especially like with talking to David Allen it was kind of a risk for me because mm-hmm. I don't use GTD and I don't and I actually there's some things about it that I don't like so fortunately we didn't talk about the mechanics of the system that much that's that's not what we got into which which was great yeah so um, let me think. I don't know who would be awesome to have on the podcast. The the truth is, is I've had some really big reaches and I've gotten them. So yeah. I'm I'm gonna have Peter Diamantis on the on the the podcast soon, who is the creator of uh, the X Prize, mm-hmm. and you know, so it, it's not always like the big names that are the ones that excite me so much more like some of the really cool founders that are working on some amazing technology or some cool app. But I don't have like some wish list because fortunately, everyone that I've asked. I mean, I've gotten some no's for sure, but the people that I really want that are fresh in mind have said yes. What's interesting is that as the podcast develops, it becomes more of a reflection of your personality and not so much of like, oh, this has to be a guest that has something specifically to do with like less doing or productivity. Um, it's someone that you've met and you're, you're interested in, in the topic they talk about or something like you said, a book that they read, or a book that they wrote, sorry. Um, and I think you just want to have a conversation with with the person and and that's what it stems from yeah basically that's yeah it's it's almost impulsive (laughs) so are you still you still have the um and i know you had a pretty good system for for resourcing uh new links and stuff like that you had a whole list of feedly uh links you were looking at Are are you still doing that uh, as far as I'm sorry, for what? Yeah, when uh, when you in terms of how you find out uh, new new tools. Oh, and, oh. And, yeah, sure. So there, you know, there's some key websites like Product Hunt is a really good one for me, and uh, I've I've follow I think about three or four hundred different feeds, and I go through about a thousand posts a day. I'd say that I pro- I don't read them all. I process them. I like to say, yeah. and that's where I find a lot of really good stuff. But again. One of the nice things about getting to like a, sort of a tipping point or I guess a critical mass is that a lot of people come to me now, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's something that I never kind of expected. And it's, it's, I get to find out about stuff. Also, I advise several companies now, and that has put me into this whole other world of finding out about things before they kind of hit the public. The other thing that's happened is you've started to, um, I don't know if it's on a regular basis, but you've started to have advertisers on your show, right? Yeah, so that was a big uh, sort of, it was a hard decision, honestly, because I didn't want to sort of not sell out. That's not what I'm really worried about. But I didn't want it to seem like I was pushing something just to be commercialized. And the truth is, is and I said this with the first couple episodes, I only have 
sponsorships from companies that I have had a relationship with and actually really believe in and use personally. So yeah, we, we've had those at the beginning and it's, it's almost, it's not about money. It's really just about giving some sort of more legitimacy and also giving back to some of those sponsors that have been really supportive of me. And, uh, yeah, I think as, as long as they, they vibe with the, your brand, um, and like you said, you don't feel any, like there's any problem with you talking about this, the, the service, cause it's something you use. I think that resonates more with the listeners. Yes, exactly. So, um, one thing I wanted to ask Ari, and, and I think you're, you're in a good position to, to give a perspective on this. And for me, it's, you know, there's, there's always that example. I don't know if you've seen it in probably talks before where they talk about the, the span of time between technologies and i think it's maybe the printing press the radio the tv the internet and those windows get uh shorter and shorter as we move forward so it's almost like you know people call it like a quickening or um uh, increasing our speed uh of of advancing our uh, evolving technologies is this something that you feel yourself you know being in, in a space where we're constantly trying to find like ways to be more productive or ways to be more efficient have you noticed that that's something that's increasing um either overall or or with people that you interact with on a daily basis oh yeah i mean the rate of change technology is absolutely amazing the the, my podcast production process alone i couldn't have done any of that stuff when i started you know three years ago it's just none of it existed and now there's things where we're literally at a point now where if you can think of a problem the solution is probably out there somewhere if you just google it Mm. It's crazy. It's like, I wish there was something that did this. It's like, oh, there's three teams in Israel that are doing that right now. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of technology. Um, I was following startups for a while, and a lot, of techno- uh, a lot of technology companies are coming out of Israel. So many. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of amazing. A lot of, a lot of biotech stuff, too. And uh, is, is there any stuff that you've seen that just is totally, at, at this point, is it just, uh, are you just amazed or jaw-dropping in terms of technology-wise? Well, one thing is there's this thing called the Muse headband, and I actually have one right here. Uh, they're going to actually be at the live event giving demos, but it's a brain-sensing uh, headband that allows you to get immediate neurofeedback and really maintain a sense of calm and focus with their three-minute app tra- or their training in their app. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome. It really, really works. And it's, I mean, it's scanning your brain. <laughs> With an app. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of weird. You also had the folks from HeartWave on in a recent episode, right? HeartMath, yeah. HeartMath, yeah, yeah. Heart yeah. Or, uh, sorry, uh, SweetBeat, rather. Sweet, yeah, SweetBeat, do, yeah. They do heart rate variability testing. That's right. Um, and the stuff that she was talking about that they can do just from the, having the, the the heart rate monitor strapped to your chest, it used to be things you'd have to like download or, or put your finger on the, the camera to do, but now they're doing it just with the, the, blue, the Bluetooth monitor, right? Right, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of mind-blowing, all the stuff that's going on and, and <laughs> where we're headed. I'm not even sure if uh, Skynet is, is probably going to be the least of our worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, that, that thought comes up quite a bit. <laughs> but I guess we really can't be afraid of it because uh, for the most part, everything that I'm seeing is really helping us to lead more efficient and, and I think healthy lives because all these sensors are, are pointing out things that in the past, you know, people would live their whole lives and not realize they had a certain condition. Right. That's true. And the thing is, is that there's so much unawareness rather or a lack of awareness. And that's really what I try to work on with people in terms of optimizing their productivity. And sometimes we just don't know what is, what is that time suck and what we're actually spending our resources and time on. So uh, there's actually this quote that I love from, um, 
uh, Alfred North Whitehead, who was a mathematician, and he said, uh, civilization advances by extending the number of important operations which we can perform without thinking of them. Hmm. It's true. It really is true. There's we, we, Sometimes we create problems that then require technology. <laughs> uh, mm. But at the same time, it's also one of the ways that we can progress. Yeah. Uh, what's the quote that says, may you, may you live in interesting times? <laughs> Right, <laughs> something, and, we, and we're certainly there. I mean, I, for me, it's it's you know fascinating to be here at this time. When you think about you know maybe thirty, forty years ago, in the time of your parents, and um, and, and I guess maybe our future generations ahead of us, um, I can't imagine the the, the 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 sort of life that they're going to be living. The technologies. I mean, if you think about it, right now, when you take a picture with your camera and you show it, your niece or nephew is like automatically primed to like see that picture right away and just reach for what you, whatever you have in your hand and, and swipe it just so they can see the next picture. <laughs> like those actions come naturally to, to kids nowadays. Yeah, that's right. And I'm sure you're seeing some of that in your kids, maybe. Well, they're a little young, but maybe, yeah. It's amazing how like many parents would just put up uh, an iPad in front of a child and, and have that be their entertainment or their ed- education for them for the next hour. Yeah, so my my uh, three-year-old uh, likes to use the iPad for games mostly now, which is great. And there's also – so this is actually kind of funny to me. So I, I think that there really is a place for the iPad, and I actually I like that the kids can use the iPad very effectively. But no, I agree with you. They're, they're not like sitting there for hours. Just That's like their thing. My kids are ridiculously active, so it's kind of – we're like – we kind of take like a breath of relief when they sit down with the iPad for a few minutes. Uh, the There are videos on YouTube that are so popular. And there's this one person called her tag is a Disney collector. Uh-huh. And these videos, there's hundreds and thousands of these videos of people just opening toys and reviewing them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the un, uncreating or un, yeah, I've, I've but seen they this. have millions of views, and these people make literally millions of dollars. The number one earner. On uh, on YouTube is this kid Evan HD who's 12 years old and he makes three million dollars a year from YouTube ads and all he does is open toys. Oh like, my god! Come on. <laughs> so it's it's and the, I got to tell you something. I am mesmerized by these videos. Like you watch Disney Collector. I think that she's in the Philippines. Yeah. And she's like, Hey everybody, this is Disney Collector and this is the uh, this is the uh, tow mater from Cars and oh this this decal is actually painted on and the tires are rubber and I'm just I'm watching this like oh my god keep going wow that's hilarious <laughs> it's pretty amazing yeah so there wow. you go yeah there's something for everyone out there <laughs> and just to give you, just to, because I brought up Evan HD uh, his most popular video has 57 million views. Oh, okay, Jesus. and it's and, and it's a it's a Play-Doh set that he was playing with. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So, um, we'll, uh, getting getting close how, to the... how do you top that? <laughs> <laughs> how do you segue from that? So, so it's like stepping back. Um, I was actually curious. I had this discussion with uh, Elon and Guy Ferdman, who I heard on your show, and, and thanks to that, I reached out yeah, to them. And, Elon and I are very close. Friends, yeah, so yeah. I had a, I really had a really uh, connected with all those those guys. They're they're pretty genuine, and, and they they speak uh, their mind <laughs> pretty openly, which which I think is why I got along with them. But we, we yes. got into the topic of education. I'm I'm wondering if if that's a thought on your mind in terms of what um what what path you want to take for your kids. Uh, public school for one. I went to a private school growing up, and I think that uh, it, 
that private school is very different now than what it was then. And I think that it doesn't, I think public school gives you a much more realistic uh, view of what the actual world is like and what the workforce is like and mm. uh, what like the real world is like. I think that private school has gotten very specialized now, so you're getting a lot of the same people in one school that are very, very similar to each other. So uh, that's one thing. But the other thing is, to me, I'm not... I've never been an academic-minded person. I went to a very, very good school, but I barely graduated. And I sort of always kind of got along doing extracurricular activities. And, you know, so, like, I graduated from Warden with a 2.68 GPA, which I think is a C plus yeah. or something. Uh, but I also uh, am one of, like, six people in my year out of 500 or so who got a letter from the dean thanking me for my excellent service to the school. You know, so there was the, you sort of like create your path and that's something that I think is important and I believe that that's something that'll be important with my kids as well. And there is a lot of education that happens in school but I think uh, it's very important what happens at home and the extracurricular activities they get and the culture that they're exposed to and the other activities like martial arts and sports and um learning how to build things there's all sorts of life skills that i want yeah. my kids to learn so um that's sort of i take like a holistic view of it and i'm not just going to rely on any school system regardless of what it was yeah so my wife and i are very 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 involved in uh, we, we are their primary caregivers and we're here with them all the time so my wife more than me very cool yeah it's very exciting to hear. We don't have any kids ourselves, but I'm always fascinated to hear uh, what folks have planned. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 I don't know, it's pretty intimidating stuff to, to kind of think about you holding their future in your hands. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, wrapping up, Ari, like wh- when you're not trying to be like your most efficient version of yourself um, and there's no technology around, like do you what do you do to, in terms of downtime um, for yourself? Well, so I only officially, my work days are two days a week, Mondays and Wednesdays. So, I, I mean, I'm doing, you know, quote unquote work on my phone or phone calls or things other times, but my official work is only two days a week. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I really kind of disconnect and focus on my kids and spend time with my kids and my wife and our two dogs. Uh, I mean, w- right now we're, we're half in the city and half in the Hamptons and we go to the city I don't even bring a computer with me so uh, I don't I won't look at a computer for three or four days I'll I'll do my email on my phone but yeah so basically no 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 hobbies no no hobbies working on you know not right now I've like historically been a like a hobby collector and (laughs) um, I have a lot of sort of weird skill sets but uh, not at the current moment I do my next focus, honestly, once we get sort of a more normalized schedule, is I want to get back to a more regular workout schedule, which yeah. I'm not on right now. Yeah, we, we've re-signed up for CrossFit with my wife. I think we're going to start again in January, and it's always nice to get back into that groove. Nice. So um, so where can folks uh, track you down online for, for to everything Ari Mizell related? Uh, lessdoing.com is sort of the central HQ for everything and uh, if they want to find out about that live event it's lessdoinglive.com the book is at lessdoingbook.com I try to make all this stuff really easy but lessdoing.com is where everything is and the other the other thing you might not know about Ari is that he's also a fan of late night infomercials yes (laughs) (laughs) that is my vice if it's if it's been on TV at 3 in the morning I probably own it yeah, you mentioned that one of the podcasts. I thought that was hilarious. I'm sure they're all stacked up in your garage somewhere. 
Yeah, some of them are useful, some of them are definitely not. And you, you of course, can't return them because the company's like, stop existing. <laughs> Good point. All right, I thanks so much for coming on. I really had fun talking to you, and I uh, hope you have a fantastic uh, week coming up. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> 